Welcome to a University of Bath IPR policy podcast. Okay, welcome everybody. Um, very good to see you all here this afternoon and welcome to those of you who are joining us on uh, Zoom. Uh, this is a hybrid event. Uh, I'm Nick Pierce. I'm the Director of the Institute for Policy Research here at the University of Bath, a Professor of Public Policy. Uh, and I'm uh, delighted this afternoon that we are joined by Professor Ricardo Garcia-Mira. Uh, Professor Mira is um, uh, the Director of the People Environment Research Group at the University of La Coruña, uh, which he's led for a number of years, and is going to talk to us today about his work on the social, uh, particularly social psychological dimensions of the net zero and clean energy transitions. Uh, we are very used to discussing, particularly in policy discourse, the costs and benefits of various options for transitioning to a net zero economy, thinking about how energy systems and often about technology and in particular sort of technical fixes to our climate change problems. Uh, we don't as much, certainly far less, discuss the social dimensions of those transitions, uh, what it means for communities, what it means for people and their relationship to the environment. And uh, Professor uh, Garcia Mira has worked for many years on the relationship between human beings and their environmental surroundings, both in terms of uh, energy transitions and climate change, but also in terms of um, natural disasters, uh, man-made disasters, their impact on uh, people in their environments. And so we're delighted to welcome him here today. He's going to speak to us in particular about some European work he's, been, he's leading. Uh, he's an honorary professor at the Institute for Policy Research, which is we've been very pleased to have him as an honorary professor for a number of years. And before coming back into academia at La Coruña, he was for three years a, uh, a PSOE, a Socialist Party MP in the uh, uh, um, Spanish Parliament in the Cortes, uh, where he also, where, let me get this right, you were the spokesman for climate change of mm -hmm. the Socialist Parliamentary Group in the e Ecological Transition Commission. So uh, very plugged into and part of political discussions in Spain about the net zero transition, climate change uh, transition. So it's great to have you here, uh, Ricardo. Um, Ricardo's going to give his talk and then we'll have an opportunity for Q&A. And if you're listening to this uh, online, if you're watching this on Zoom, please do feed your questions in on the chat and my colleague Julia will uh, collate those uh, and let me know those and we will uh, we'll do a, a Q&A. Um, and uh, remember that, um, yeah, if you are on Zoom, your, your microphones and cameras aren't switched on, so it all has to come in through the chat for us to be able to respond to you. But that's probably enough for me in terms of the housekeeping and Ricardo, over to you. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Nick, for this reception, for this uh, introduction. Well, um, thank you very much to the Institute of, of Policy Research for allowing me to be with us, with you uh, from, from, uh, from I think eight years ago, no? from the, from the uh, 2016, I think. <clears throat> well, our relations goes, uh, goes far back no? uh, to the relation that we established with the Department of Economy within the project uh, of sustainable lifestyles and green economy for the seventh framework program working with uh, professor michael finus uh, i think he's not here he moved to germany and also with uh, professor uh, lucy Osea, who were part of the of the team no? leading the tasks uh, from the microeconomy uh, aspects no? for modeling for the economic modeling of the project well let me introduce uh, just before uh, starting the talk well, something about uh, our research group. No? Uh, it's a group specialized in things related to climate change and also some aspects of risk, but 
But also about, uh, uh, for example, the, the, the project connecting was uh, related to the way in which uh, native-based solutions can be implemented in cities, in towns, for coping with the with climate change impacts, for reducing the, the more negative impacts. The analysis of the energy consumption patterns or waste management and mobility aspects within different kinds of organizations was the object of another project. Uh, looking at the low carbon emissions in Europe and uh, the sustainable lifestyles that are already mentioned or the energy transition, no? looking at the aspects related to social innovation, psychological and social aspects as well. Well, we are a very multidisciplinary uh, group, no? uh, mainly formed by architects and, and social scientists, no? like psychologists, uh, geographers, and, and political scientists, and then educators as well. And uh, well, we have contacts, partners. We have been working with many people from different parts of the world, no? and until 40 countries, no? uh, we have uh, met research groups working in collaboration with all of us. And well, our theoretical framework, our precious um, dimensions have to do with um, mainly with psychological concepts related to trust, for example, looking at the, the trust that citizenship develops mm -hmm. with regard to the government or, or with regard to the media or to the mass media or looking at the resilience or looking at the participative strategies focusing on knowledge co-production approaches or, or focusing on ways of uh, in which the ways in which the citizenship can be engaged no, in in these solutions in these nature-based solutions and other dimensions like credibility or or community strategies communication strategies no, regarding risk uh, well were part of different projects so, in our analysis. So now that you know, uh, have a, a, a brief idea of what we have been working with in the in the last twenty five years. Uh, well, I will introduce. Uh, well, this has these are part of the projects that we have been engaged recently, and uh, and the ways of funding, you know, mainly coming from European programs. And this some. Some of our publications of recent publications regarding always about urban sustainability, uh, disasters, uh, values, housing space and quality of life, cultural environmental action and sustainability. Sustainability is a central dimension of our studies. And uh, now we have looked at uh, what was happening regarding the energy you know, in Europe. And looking at the topics that the Commission uh, were uh, have published no, regarding the interest of the European Commission in in going deeper in in the definitions related to the energy transition, we asked no, many questions about what the energy transition is, but even more, no, what a transition is really, no, and how this transition impacts in. In the, in the citizenship, impacting people. So our our uh, strategy connects with the European strategy for knowing and for increasing the knowledge related to 
to to the social aspects no, engaged in the energy transition. So the objective of our research that I will present here no, very quickly in this half an hour that I have is the main objective is to to develop no, a theoretical approach no, that allows us to 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 put together no, some understanding no, on these cross-cutting issues, no, including gender as one of them. And to provide a set of policy recommendations no, or about what kind of policies or what kind of combination of policies can be effective no, when we uh, copy with uh, with the energy transition. And looking at these social aspects, we have to 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 consider the relations that the social aspects have with many other technological, cultural, and political aspects. This is because we we put together no, a very transdisciplinary team looking at the economic, uh, socioeconomic aspects, socio-technical, socio-ecological, socio-cultural, socio-political, and even socio-psychological, putting the, the gender dimension as a cross-cutting dimension as well. So in all our discourse, we are talking about copying strategies, about increasing knowledge, about new opportunities, new policies, new combination of these policies in order to get a comprehensive and detailed knowledge of all these social aspects in order to produce a better understanding of the programs, a better understanding of what the transition is, as I said before. What are the coping strategies that uh, we are finding in the different territories where the transition is happening uh, in order to produce these policy recommendations and produce also under a co-creation approach, uh, a common vision on the societal implication and the opportunities that we have for speaking with, uh, with fundaments about uh, what a just transition can be no because when we are when we talk about just transition we are talking about people we are talking about justice social justice environmental justice we are talking about many aspects no? even in a moment uh, where everything is critical because we are still living a war from one year ago we have came out from a pandemic that have impacted very seriously in the way that the the states manage the, the energy system. So we have realized that we need to be some more aut more autonomous than we were in the past, no? in order to, to, uh, to copy with the impacts that general or universal things no? that a pandemic is, or even a war no? that impacts, as you are uh, observing, no? impacts in the in the kind of energy that we import you know, from Russia, from other countries, in the relations from the with the European Union or with other countries beyond the European Union. So the first year of uh, our project, we have built you know, a theoretical um, framework. We have built a multidimensional uh, framework uh, consisting of these six dimensions. You know, um, putting in relation with what with another theoretical approach already known no, in our uh, in our state of the art. No? So we will approach the socio-psychological aspects from an individual copying no, approach, 
looking at the, at the individual coping, uh, looking at the stress that individuals are coping with and the relief. And when we talk about sociopolitical, we are considering the transition as a political mean. Or when we are talking about socioeconomic aspects, we are talking about the labor market structural change no? because the impact on the, on, the, on the employment and the unemployment. No? When a transition produces this kind of impacts regarding the employment, well, uh, when there is an increase in loss of employments, well, there is a social impact very, that we have to measure. And we have to produce knowledge about this social impact to inspire and to give support to the policies or to the combination of policies you know, that will be approved by the European institutions or by the international institutions that uh, will have all, also an impact on the on the states. In this case, on the states members of the European Union or in an indirect way you know, from other countries that have some kind of relation with the energy systems managed from the European Union. For example, when we talk about the socio-cultural aspects, we are talking about the, the need of analyze the territorial stress, which is this the tension between the, the, the territorial change no? uh, and the, 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 well, the gap between the, the territory and the communities. No? because the communities develop socio-psychological dimensions, like, for example, social identity, place attachment, and others that we will talk. But we need to analyze the, this process of deterritorialization no? in order to, to learn how we can re-territorialization again. No? So transformative capacities of the territory are also part of the interest. So we are in a multi-level perspective where the European, national, regional, and local aspects are being studied from this perspective. And we look at the multidisciplinary group who is analyzing this from different disciplines like like psychology, economics, urban studies, architecture, political science, and so on. Demography, ecology, geography, sociology. And we have also a comparative perspective no? because we are analyzing 13 European regions, no? including the, United, the, the UK in, the, in, the, in, in Wales, sorry, <clears throat> where Somebody very well known here, like uh, Andre Halley, is working, leading the team in the UK, in Cardiff. So, well, what we have been during the second year of the project is we, ha we have just finished the third year. We had to, to deal with, uh, with, as I said, with a pandemic in the middle of the project, with a war that we put our hands in our head, telling, well, this is going to destroy our project. The war, the pandemic, the, the transition to another model of energy. So well, what's happening here? We are losing the project. But well, we put all the efforts because well, part of the countries participating in the project, part of the 13 regions that we are analyzing are Romania, Poland, and uh, and we have in Austria, so well, some of them are making border with Ukraine. So 
the massive no, um, uh, number of refugees no, uh, escaping from Ukraine, uh, well, they were affecting and impacting no, on, in the way that we were collecting the data, making the interviews, and the pandemic also affected, no, because we couldn't, we had to stop. We couldn't interview the people, so we were introducing a, a differentiation factor no, that was impacting negatively on our data. So we had to delay no, until the pandemic was over and then and we could collect the data. So the data collection was, was completed no, now and the, the, and the case study reports have been produced. Are, published in, they are available in the website of the project. And now we are comparing, comparing the cases, the cases. So this research had a, an applied framework and it has been focused on describing the peculiarities and particularities of every, every case study, every region. And the cross-disciplinary co-creation approach for saying some words about this, uh, consists that uh, we introduce a critical reflection on the context that the project was creating for uh, in where the participants at various levels and with different backgrounds have come to know what is needed for driving the transition to a clean energy. So we get information and data from this knowledge integration framework under this knowledge integration framework through a cross-disciplinary interpretation of knowledge with different visions and points of view constructing the scenarios that the people from the territories uh, built have built together and we are now working on the catalog of interpretations no? of, um, considering all these contributions we uh, finished the co-creation meetings at the european level we had a a co-creation meeting with different members of the staff of the European Commission, the General Directorate of, of Employment, uh, General Directorate of Regions and Research, and well, different people that are um, advising to the commissioners no, for producing the policy and producing the reports for the Parliament. So this was very interesting, but uh, and it was. Uh, Two two long days uh, online with all the, with all these people with fifteen uh, policymakers from the European Commission and other people from other territories outside the European Union. No, in addition to the people from the projects and people from the the, the countries uh, with teams working on the European territories, including the UK. And now we have just finished, uh, we are finishing, the, we have some, some of them pending. April and May, we are finishing the 13 regional co-creation meetings, no? trying to collect data, not only uh, through interviews, but also through focus group sessions in the territories and, and also with a survey. <clears throat> Well, uh, these are the 13 territories no? considered. The, those uh, writing in red uh, are writing in red because we had a special risk here for collecting the data because the pandemic and because the war. And uh, because we, we had to collect the data in the middle of this, of this uh, 
events no, happening in Europe, and they are not still finished. Uh, but let's say, you know, after getting all the data, you know, after collected, after collecting all the data, what measures you know, we can say about the different dimensions that we have under study? Well, first of all, the sociopolitical dimension, you know, part of the things that we like to, to express have to do with the need to drive in the transition to clean energy as an European perspective, where we consider that industrialized countries should contribute no, to, to the cost no, uh, of the transition with the others. So this is well something that is not well seen no, for everyone. No? It's very controversial no, because why you know, I have to cost to, to contribute to the cost of the transition. No? If the cost, if for me no, was a well-organized transition, was a well-considered from the community and social aspects. So why I have to contribute to other less developed countries no, that has a, that have a very hard transition. Well, the co-creation context make easy empowering citizens and supporting social innovation in regions, increasing the acceptance of decarbonization policies. This is something that is very difficult to understand by the most of politicians because, well, politicians like to like to make the option for top-down approaches no, where the decisions are made in the top no, and, and the rest have nothing to say or have nothing to understand. While this is completely contrary uh, to the demands no, from the territories that are asking for more autonomy, you know, in the at least in making suggestions for allowing to learn about what is really happening that sometimes is different uh, from the from what happened in other places no decentralization of governance so this is a central aspect no? and the involvement of regional governments in the energy transition process is must to achieve a just energy transition Transition narratives is another uh, relevant aspect that show that transition to clean energy is a conflictual process in which stakeholders are reassembled in new constituencies. But more importantly, the regional heterogeneities that we have found in the territories should be taken into account while making the policies for coal and carbon intensive regions because one size fits all approach is not working. And this is very clear. And the European Commission sometimes is producing this kind of, you know, the same for all. And this doesn't work, as I said. Well, from the socioeconomic point of view, uh, well, we have been looking the loss of population no? uh, in 2019 relative to 2000. And we know that the implementation of the carbonization policies resulted into closure of heavy industries and job losses, as well as stresses and tensions related to the individual and the territorial identity. And the coal and carbon regions in transition facing huge population loss and brain from carbon intensive regions was another characteristics. And finally, the big ambiguity between projected solutions in the regions and sustainable solutions. This is something that is observed permanently. You know? 
in, in every territory. The, the lack of uh, consistency between sustainability and uh, the projected solutions. Regarding the sociocultural, uh, the key measures that we would like to reinforce here have to do with the fact that while energy transition paths are under development at the European, national, and regional levels, the territorial transition path of the coal and carbon territories is not clear yet. This is something also that we found. The public and private investments, paradoxically, are among the main stress vectors in the territory as they lead to conflicts, impasses, or situations of dependence. There is an urgent need to identify in which way the energy transition may trigger or foster effective territory-making strategies. The vulnerability of these territories is not a direct consequence of the energy transition, but is a long-lasting process rooted in, global, in globalization and the relative loss of power of the states. In many of the regions under analysis, the research show that local territorial level is often peripheral to the decision-making process, which prioritizes a broader regional perspective. So autonomy, decentralization of power, <clears throat> give voice to the local regions is part of the, of the cultural, socio-cultural analysis. And what emerged from these socio-ecological and technical dimensions is that this is the, the, the statement that the success of energy transition policy depends on the transformative capacity of the of the region in transition. So if this if this is so, no, what is needed not to build this capacity? Well, three aspects we would like to underline here. One is the, the need to diversify the industry. Mm? Uh, providing uh, alternative jobs and, and giving training facilities, making the update of workers to another capacities like related to IT technologies or related to other uh, specializations no, of the industry. And secondly, is uh, it is a long lasting process that requires empowered communities and citizens. And this, uh, what would this say? This, uh, this allowed me to talk in favor of the energy communities, for example, no? for administrate what the for administrate well the the energy no? in a collective way no? as an alternative to the administration by means of two or three big multinationals that are earning and earning money, no, <clears throat> taking profit of of the. Um, disinformation of the population. And finally, the regional and local decision-making power, which prioritize the broader regional perspective. So again, the need to decentralize, the need to give voice to the regions and in a cooperative way, in a co-creation way. Uh, Socio-ecological and technical dimensions, well, part of, the, of this discourse have to do with the limitation of the transformative capacity due to the long-term dependence on industrial monoculture and due to the lack of alternative jobs and training facilities influencing in the in the in the favorable or, the, or unfavorable way no, of making a, a just transition or not 
the coal and carbon territories have an organization really and an often dependent on state interventions, no? like is the case of Spain, for example, that where everything depends on the Ministry of uh, Ecological Transition uh, in order to increase no, the transformative capacity. So nobody can, with the exception of private investments, no? there is no possibility of uh, doing in other way. With few natural and human resources, some of the selected coal and carbon regions in transition are heading towards a very black future. So let's go quickly through the socio-psychological component. As one of these six components that we have been taking under study, the focus of the socio-psychological have to do with the impacts, impacts of the coal mines phase out and closure of the related industrial units on the socio-psychological well-being. The socio-psychological factors and dynamics related to the deep re-territorialization of coal and carbon regions in transition was studied, and also the transformation of this territorial and local identity of people and the regions. The research questions that we have uh, here to give an, and some kind of answers have to do with what are the principal socio-psychological stress you know, faced by people, by the communities or by the affected groups in coal and carbon intensive regions in transition. Which socio-psychological factors are most pre more predictive of this connection between community and territory? And so what territories uh, are um, suitable for reconnect you know, these factors of community and territory again. So what is the role of the carbonization threats in the intensification of the territorialization processes in the regions, including aspects like immigration, like populism, or like life satisfaction? Or which policies or combination of policies would be most appropriate to trigger, support, or accelerate these processes of reconnection of re-territorialization, connecting again communities and, and territories. Well, uh, what happened here? Well, this was because we introduced a survey. The method was a multi-method approach where, as I said before, considered not only desk research, but also semi-structured interviews, focus groups, survey, desk research, quantitative macroeconomic modeling. Now we are here and we will try to, to, to produce some social representation of, in the sense that Moscovici no? and Dwyce and all their collaborators have proposed, no? looking at the factors, patterns and dynamics so if we if we uh, look about the territories about the pollution the climate change the natural gas oil well all the the things that are in competition in all these regions we will look about the the, the definition of the impacts you not know, through this questionnaire referring to loss of jobs to closure of industrial units based in coal energy to the effect on energy security, to fall in demand to other businesses, the decreased attraction for new businesses. Well, we are looking at all of these aspects you know, that have to do with what is happening 
in the territories that are submitted to this transition. And the psychological aspects have to do with behavior as, as well. And the final behavior is emigrating to other region or is to stay and accept the chances as they are or stay and work to change the situation or fight sometimes with protest or with mobilization, with social mobilization. For example, for immigrating, we have to look at the depopulation or the territorialization process and how this impact in the general satisfaction of life or in the behavior that have to do with the, with the uh, final behavior of people of reinventing themselves or fighting against or resist and recarbonization and recarbonize and reinvent and decarbonization. So all these aspects you know, uh, were explored together with place attachment dimension, psychological dimension of place attachment and, and resilience as well. So the factors have to do with how the individual respond to all these things. And, and we are talking about individual, but also about contextual factors you know, that have to do with social bonding, perceived fairness, economic optimism and hardship perceived stress, personal reinvention, place-rootedness. And we have theories to analyze this in social psychology. So we put all these theories in, in the context of the analysis and try to, to explore no, what uh, structural equation uh, approaches or methodologies can we incorporate to this, looking at the different kind of a place attachment, looking at place attachment, place rootedness, place identity, or social bonding, you know, that, as you know, are different aspects to approach the place attachment, or different aspects to, um, to approach the decarbonization process through the analysis of the economic threat, the perception of the economic threat by the citizens, the individual stress, trying to focus in what way they are experience, experiencing this stress, the perceived fairness. No? We are talking about justice here and nostalgia as well. Looking at resilience, optimism, intention to stay in the coal and carbon territory, or intention to emigrate, no? to move out no? uh, to other regions. And we will talk here regarding the decision of a state about recalcitrance to resistance, awaiting and, and accepting the status quo, and personal and collective reinvention or just submission. Well, what we have found here, looking at all these dimensions, which are susceptible to be studied from the psychological point of view, and we define it the kind of fittings no? uh, in incorporating the different theoretical frameworks no? that we know from psychology and in using a liquid scale methodology and using both nominal and ordinal data. We have got 89 items with 17 latent constructs. And the first things that we can say about this have to do with how to explain the intention to relocate. What depends the intention to relocate? 
of the or staying in the place. Well, what we have to say here is that the stress and perceived economic hardship lower life satisfaction and further increase people's intention to relocate. Transformative leadership of the region, population growth and GDP per capita have positive associations and negative effect on stress and perceived economic hardship. Employment rate associated to GDP per capita has a positive association to life satisfaction and negative to intention to relocate. And finally, the place identity and place rootedness lower the intention to relocate and stress. In this you know, general scheme where we can see the weights that every relation you know, have from a, from a regression point of view. And now we are working with um, trying to analyze the relative relations in order to avoid the production of, of artifacts, artificial artifacts that put in relation all these things. Looking at socio-psychological dimension, obligates us to to look at the the loss of population no? that produces stress and produce many other impacts no? because when you when when we lose the jobs and the people have to come back home unemployed this has increased in many territories the domestic violence the increasing of alcohol consumption and many other aspects you know, related to crime and related to, to increasing the tensions. You know. And most of the times, these aspects are not evaluated. And this is what this project is trying to do, you know, to give information about how this impact is produced, how this psychological stress you know, uh, have importance, enough importance for, for being considered no, uh, as um, arguments no, for rejecting or accepting and uh, giving some of the policies. No? So the uncertainties around the future of the coal and carbon regions and the high level of place attachment create perceived psychological stress mm, and nostalgia. And people in the regions no, have high sense of territorial identity that increase their resilience capacity and potential for personal reinvention. This could be use it no, for giving support to the different strategies. And here we have the importance of incorporating co-creation no, approaches. The heterogeneity among the selected regions in transition regarding the intention to relocate from the region, personal reinvention and resistance and protest against the decarbonization policies are also a, a common part of this. So finally, the gender impact. No? What happened with gender? We have within the project uh, the woman engaged for a future for a common future based in France, but they are an organization that are based in different countries. And even when they function independently, they are connected for the objectives and values. And they they are based in the Netherlands, in in France, and in Germany, as far as I know. And what we obtain from the project, which is, which is uh, available also on our website, is that the perception of transitions currently is highly technical. And economic processes uh, give 
very little relation to gender and how it is reflected in the different plans and strategies for coping with the strategies of just transition. So women is, is remain underrepresented no? in the decision-making processes. So in well, in from two points of view, one is the parity, no? the nominal parity across the political sphere that it looks very difficult to achieve. No? And the other one is the representation of women's interest and expertise on the energy gender nexus, which is limited. According to what uh, Andre Halley explored, the women appear in the in the general in the in the transition within the Wales region as a very important dimension in considering new jobs led by women and as an unexpected no, uh, thing that the researchers have um, presented recently. So this is something that have to be also model moderated no, by the need of reaching no, equal um, equal conditions no, uh, conditions of equality for access in jobs for defining new jobs for defining new strategies and so on and uh, and finally well some steps that are still pending at this moment is the well, the quantitative assessment you know, looking at the also to the personal the impact of personal and contextual factors a comparative analysis is being done at this moment, the gender difference between regions as well, and the integration of survey results, sorry. Uh, and finally, the, the produce of the report of uh, policy recommendations. We are working on this for the next October. We will have the, the final conference in Brussels on the 5th of, and 6th of September, and we hope to produce some reports no, that will be that will reach this institute no? very soon. Some examples of the uh, structural equation modeling that we are doing have to do with the um, with, um, explanation of the intention to relocate in the people no? that have to do with the influence of place attachment, place identity, place dependence, and place rudeness, but also with perceived fairness, economic hardship, economic optimism, nostalgia, and so on. Well, different dimensions that have different behaviors in the regions, but we are looking at what could be common for a, for a common politics, if, if it's possible, and if not, we have to advise to different policies in, regarding different uh, considerations that we are finding in all this, this project. So, well, this is not a, an easy thing, no? Uh, coming from the fact that we are exploring 13 countries with different cultures, with different uh, territories, different kind of impacts, no? different education, and with the interests playing all, always uh, in function of the external interests based in multinationals that are some of them based outside the European Union. So, well, different political, technological, and socio-psychological impacts that have to be integrated no, in the policy and cannot be excluded. No. Well, thank you very much. We can open here now a, a, a series of questions and answers. And thank you very much for inviting me again. And thank you.
Thank you very much, Ricardo. That's fantastic to take a seat. And uh, we've got a, a bit of time for some questions. And uh, for, for those of you watching on Zoom as well as um, with, us, with us here this afternoon, um, thank you very much, Ricardo. That's an in incredibly uh, interesting, complex project covering, as you said, um, you know, a number of regions as well as um, a whole set of different theoretical questions in a interdisciplinary context. I was very uh, interested just in in I'll start the questions if I may in, in in asking about the gender dimensions which you raised at the end which seemed to me incredibly interesting because I think we we uh, commonly associate um, forms of you know carbon intensive energy production coal mining in particular with male occupations mm -hmm. and with the loss of male employment um, and with forms of support for uh, reactionary politics to those changes uh, with men, that is men who support uh, far-right groups, populist other Vox in Spain, or the support for Donald Trump from coal miners in Virginia and so on, that there's a very sort of, a, a very gendered sense of both the uh, patterns of employment um, and patterns of industrial production in those carbon intensive uh, areas, and but also in the politics if you like of the of the sort of, of what's happened with deindustrialization and so on and so I, I wonder then uh, why it is we don't think of gender dimensions as much when we're thinking about the transition to new forms of clean energy and net zero new forms of employment new forms of community engagement new, new more equal roles in our society and new ways in which we might think of the sort of politics of those communities as they transition into clean energy. So um, for me, that was something which I, I have to say I haven't read as much about in the literature. And I, so I'm, I'm interested to know why you particularly approached this gender dimension in the way you did. And I'm hearing a little bit more about some of the findings and conclusions that you have from this. Well, yes. Uh, well, you're right. No, it's a difficult thing because the associated uh, specializations in the coal and carbon intensive regions <clears throat> Are mainly related to men, no? and men is in men is in the corporations. Uh, we still look at the cor corporative organizations, no? the the main corporations that manage decisions related to to carbon or related to coal that are formed hundred percent by men. You can see one woman or two women. We don't know with what criteria, but it's not an equal an equality criteria. Probably it's another one. And well, some of the states are giving steps. Now, this is the case of Spain, no, where where Sanchez is uh, promoting no women for many uh, ministries and high position uh, decision making uh, posts, where. We never saw women no, making these decisions or leading no, the decisions and forming the teams. So this is the case of the ecological transition no, led by Teresa Rivera, uh, which has incorporated many women no, in very important um, decision um, positions. No? Uh, but uh, what I was interested in within the framework was exploring what dimensions no, can um, arise from the fact of putting women in front of this situation in the first 
when I say putting women in front of this, is how do women really perceive you know, their own implication in things like this? Because many women do say, wow, this is not a thing for women. You know? We want to make decisions in, in other aspects that have to do with, I don't know, even with the defense or within with, but not with coal and carbon. No? This is this has no relation. So what we found in the focus group is many women don't perceive themselves as part of the of the problem. So it's very difficult when the perception is related to the culture, you know, to the dominant culture, where never women made decisions about this. So uh, the criterion has to be the participation in, in decision-making, the parity. I believe in the parity because it's the only way to to get balance no? in in the presence of women in, in the committees where the main decisions are made. So we have the two great questions from our online audience who enjoyed the talk very much. Um, the first one is about the transformative leadership that you mentioned. So there's a question, um, you know, what kind of political uh, role or what role could political actors uh, play in the transition? Um, what exactly does transformative leadership mean? Maybe also based on your own experience mm -hmm. um, uh, as a member of parliament. Uh, so that's a question about transformative leadership uh, and this political role. And then there's also um, a question uh, that's a bit more about, I guess, practical hands-on solution and whether new small-scale distributed renewable energy projects could be part of a solution in these regions that you looked at. Yes, um, you, you, you mentioned, Ricardo, I think midway through your talk about the need collective localised energy provision energy systems. I think that's the sort of second part of the question there. But Collective? Uh, collective. Well, um, localised and decentralised energy systems, which have some mm -hmm. potentially mm -hmm. more collective mm -hmm. uh, investment and ownership mm -hmm. and so on. Um, but yeah. Yes, I think both questions are related because the first thing that we need you know, introducing the system is the regulations. You know, regulations uh, that where where the the participation of uh, and where the inclusion of a new leadership system is included for example when we talk about energy communities we need to engage the the population in in the decisions and this is like uh, like the community of neighbors in a in a neighborhood you know that have to make decisions related to the park or related to the common goods you know? And in the energy system, there is a, a perception that the energy is something that it is outside. No? It is not part of our decisions. It's something that somebody else has to decide and we have to apply no? to our system, to our transport system, to our uh, building system of, of, of uh, providing no? some kind of energy, but people don't feel engaged. So, First of thing that we need is regulations that regulate both the citizen participation in decision making in energy. It should be a way in which the people could give importance or relevance to what a community energy is, and what what also a, a cheaper invoice 
should mean for the user because they have decisions to make you know, that are going to impact in the price of the energy at the domestic level, not only at the organizational level. So regulations are the first, and these regulations have to connect with the transformative leadership that have to be implemented in the agenda of the political parties. So the political parties have to be aware about the importance of this collective interest, you know, incorporating into their programs, their elections programs, part of the, of the objectives, you know, to change the leadership, to incorporate the, 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 the participation of women you know, in the committees, in the high level positions, you know, in the governments and so on. What happens with Vox and uh, with ultra-right, with far-right parties, is that they are proposing come back to the past, you know, trying to ridiculize you know, all these things. When they criticize the climate change that as a lie, you know, invented lie, you know, like Trump has made, has done, or like the Spanish box has done as well, as well. Well, they are trying to 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 take all the value out of the discussion. You know? and so take the women out, take the values of climate out. And this is an invention of that is trying to change the economical uh, state of things, the economical status quo, giving the, the influence to a part of the economical society or sector and trying to remove no, the, the different things that are part of the, of the structure no, of how the system works. So if we, if we are able to convince political parties that the governance system has to be regulated in order to incorporate a new way you know, of de debating, a new way of engaging citizens in some important aspects for, for the personal well-being and social well-being, well, this is the first step, you know, regulations. It is the same that happens with the artificial intelligence that will be, and well, it is real, it is a part of the, how the energy transition can be made, no? incorporating the artificial intelligence. But this needs to be regulated because impacts in important dimensions of the social life, of the personal life. Just, just on this point though, about the um, this sort of, as you describe it, very intimate connection between climate denial um, and uh, uh, anti-abortion politics of um, restoring the male place in the workplace in in the politics of vox of trump and others mm -hmm. a very a, a, a very sort of reactionary politics which combines these things together as you say the gender dimensions with climate with economic and other policy dimensions mm -hmm. what is the appeal of that is it an appeal to uh, the sense of a loss of status for men a status anxiety question or is it an appeal to a to recover a sense of lost patriarchy i mean in your study of people's sort of response to those questions, particularly the people that were nostalgic or wanted to resist decarbonisation, et cetera, mm. what is the appeal of that politics which brings together these gender and other economic and social dimensions? Well, this is what we saw when we look at the nostalgia. No? Mm. People 
has the trend to think that other time was better no? mm. because there work for every there, there were work for everyone the life uh, was running well for everyone the differentiation of roles no between men and women were working no everything was looked no working and they maintain this discourse no mm. the discourse but it, this is a false discourse because because the dynamics of life is changing no very quickly because all things change very quickly no living in a competitive system living in a neoliberal system all the things uh, work very quickly no and the impacts even when we improve in many things no? because we know more than before more, we know more things and we know how to stop with the crisis for example of hunger no we cannot understand it we have invented no systems for for producing food for everyone in the world there is still people dying no because they have not food so the the, the interests no to to maintain the status quo no uh, the interest of neoliberalism to don't change the things that can move no? in a different way the structure of control of, of the power um, is more important so they were the only way for the ultra for the only way for the far right is well look at the past the past was better we had not problems in the past everything was under control of uh, of the hierarchy of um, patriarch patriarchies you know? and uh, and everything worked was working well so many people react no, that, to this discourse no, in a in a way that well you're right the past was hap a happy past no, this. so but but we are living another well we are living another challenge no and and there are many people living in this new challenge no? living in a more equal society many people is believing no that all that we have in mind is possible that what we have discussed recently in brussels about the 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 universal income no it's part of the discourse no? that we are exploring trying to find the, the a solution no? to to reduce the 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 tensions to reduce the unemployment to reduce the the crime no because it has to do with many variables. Great, okay, well, I'm, I'm conscious of time, but are there any questions from the anybody in the audience want to ask any more questions? Yeah, Matt, quick one. Just a very quick question about, is there a tension between this, uh, you talked about the kind of regional uh, power and the, the, the need for kind of local engagement and leadership, but you're thinking about the economic aspects of how do you replace a large number of jobs, how do you regenerate an economy that the regional buy-in that you need the local governments just don't have the resources to be mm. able to do that so you do need the kind of central mm. government yeah. and centralized kind of industrial strategy mm. uh, to regenerate areas but at the same time you need it to be the local driven mm. by local areas so is there a, is mm. a kind of practical tension now as to how the I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a very, very specific example of this we have now in the UK that after Brexit, you know, we're not, we're not part of the European Union's mm -hmm. response with the Green New Deal mm -hmm. and 
uh, and Biden's uh, Inflation Reduction Act, these huge credits for investing in uh, clean energy, renewables, and so on, mm -hmm. which Europe is trying to match. A country like the UK uh, appears unable to marshal similar resources, mm -hmm. and 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 at the same time is also in our context a relatively centralised state, even with devolution to places like Wales. And so, English local government, for example hardly any money or power to address these questions in any meaningful mm. way. So this challenge we have about the level at which the state mm. needs to act and the, and the and resources well, that need to be brought to bear. This has to do with something that have been discussed in, 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 in the Parliament of Spain when I, when I was a member of the Parliament. It had to do with the incorporation of knowledge in the, in the Parliament and, and with the constitution of... Um, a committee of scientists you know, that you have very well organized. And, and we, we put an example, the UK as an example of, of working, you know, and you have been very connected to that when you were well, the climate change working. Act, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, because incorporating a committee uh, of mm. scientists in the parliament with capacity for influence, the decision making uh, to the politicians, not leave all the decision to the politicians because they are going to respond only with tactics, with political tactics and not responding to a, to a set of knowledge no, on the on the subject that we want to discuss. I remember when I was a parliamentary and the Spani Spain had not yet uh, a law for climate change. And what I've been meet, have organizing a lot of lots of meetings with uh, ecologic groups and with different stakeholders trying to produce, no, and collectively, no, um, and a, a draft no, of this law. But very quickly, I the the ministry told me that I couldn't do that. <laughs> because this responds only to the tactic of the party, no? And well, I was absolutely disappointed, no? Because I was trying to incorporate no? the way of co-production of knowledge, no? With different stakeholders. Well, not probably as a, as something that was not, was undiscussable, no? But uh, as a basement of knowledge of the reactions of the different groups of society, you know, ecologic groups and unions groups, and, and other civil society organizations. Uh, so it's difficult you know, because the, the, the decision making process is dominated in the parliaments by the political parties and they obey to a, a specific um, tactic to maintain the power. No, beyond advance no? in the social benefit, they uh, many times make decisions benefiting the, the party, the position of the party regarding the power. So, okay. Well, um, thank you very much indeed, Ricardo. And uh, thank, can I ask everybody just to thank Ricardo in the usual way? Thank you for tuning thank in. You. If you've been on Zoom, uh, great to have you. Great to have you here in Bath and um, to, to listen to you, to your lecture and to hear about your work. So it's great to see you again. Um, the next speaker in our series, our polycrisis series, is Professor Stefan Eich, um, who will join us for a lunchtime lecture on the 24th of May. Uh, he's going to be talking about his book, The Currency of Politics, The Political Theory of Money, from Aristotle to Keynes. So I hope you'll join us for that as well on the 24th of May. But thanks so much for coming. Thanks, Ricardo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.